Hey, dude. Hey, man. What's up? I felt like last episode we kind of cut it off short because yeah, a little bit. We didn't even talk about season two. At no, all. no. We kind of, we kind of. I kind of got a little winded in season one. So uh, I'm glad we decided to make season two its own episode, though, because there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot that they tackle, a lot of really deep topics yep. that I'm glad we we're having a whole episode to kind of devote to because I felt if we breezed past season two and some of the stuff they tackle, I feel it would have been a real disservice to season two. We needed to dedicate a whole two hours to it because Absolutely. one hour wasn't going to be due it No, not at all. So... Before we get into any of that, thank you so much for tuning in to Unapologetic. I'm your host, What's up, uh, guys? the leader, the, sorry, the man the leader. who does. The leader. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I am the host. We oh, agreed good. to You're this. You're the host. The host with the most. Yes, yeah, so that I do all the editing and all the fun stuff, and then you just leave after the recordings. You're like, bye, Felicia. Bye. He's, he's the leader. I'm the lever. <laughs> yes. So we're going to do a quick recap of the first season. Very quick. Absolutely. We'll talk about, we'll give our grades. How about that? So plot, oh, music, everything yes. like that. One yes. to ten scale. Oh, and then easy. We're not going to go real spoilers into the first season because we already went into describing the whole first season in the last episode. Right. But right. we are going to talk about the second season, this episode. So if you haven't watched it, pause the video, go sit down, spend six hours, watch it. It is worth the time. Yep. You would agree with me? I do agree. I'll put it this way: we are we are recording at noon on us on a Sunday, and I literally rewatched almost sixty to seventy percent of the second season this morning. Just to make that's sure how quick it was. Yeah, that's how quick it was. Yeah, but it was it was just like the first season where you couldn't like you wanted to sit down and actually watch. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, I watched more than half the first the second season, and I only started at like eight o'clock. Yeah, so, but there's no filler, and it caught your attention even on the second watch through. Absolutely. So, I am telling everyone right now, go watch it. Before we do that, season one recap. You ready? Oh, hang on. I do have one more thing to plug. I found this out. Okay. Season two of Megalobox is not only on Funimation, it's also on Hulu. Oh, that's right. So Hulu sometimes it's gets on other Hulu. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't have Funimation but you still want to watch it, Hulu, Hulu is, is also option. an op- op- option, right? Because you have Netflix has season one, Hulu has season two. So for those of you that have those streaming services, it's right there for you. Yep. And just now do you a free have no trial. reason not to watch it. And then just do a free trial if you really. Yeah. If you don't, yeah. If you don't already have it, it's worth the th- the th- the seven day free trial. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and now you have no excuse not to watch it because it's available. All right. So, season one. Yes, season one. We're going to do it as a whole because it would take too long to get into it, and we really oh, need course. to give time for season two. So, to start off, what grade would you give the plot? Plot. Out of a 10, you said, right? Yep. Oh, this is going to be a little uh, – This you and I are probably going to disagree on this, but – I'm actually only going to give it a nine on plot. We're very close, but why would you say that quickly? Quickly. Well, while there's no filler, it does. And I'm not going to, and I don't use this word correctly. I feel it does drag in some parts. Mm-hmm. 
there's times when I'm like, okay, we are putting way too much emphasis on this corporate espionage stuff, putting way too much emphasis on the inner structures of this company. Mm-hmm. I don't care as much about the, the Shirato storyline. Isn't I that do more season two fighting? No, no, no. I'm talking about in season one. I don't mm-hmm. care that she's trying to get these government contracts and that's the whole point of the tournament. Didn't need that. Okay. If it had just been a who's the best fighter in the world tournament. So you're saying they could have I've easily taken okay off that. an episode and that would have given you a 10 out of 10. Exactly. Okay. So it's not really filler because it, fill, it it's in the story. It makes yeah. sense in the story. But I just I could have done without it. It's not a perfect story. I agree with you there. Absolutely. I would say for 13 episodes, it doesn't feel like it's right. There are moments like you're saying that. Mm-hmm. I would give it a mm-hmm. 9 out of 5. Just it's it's so nine point five out of ten. Nine point five, okay. Yeah, nine point five out of ten. So okay. I would say there are some little points where it's very minor, like very, very minor. This is like mm-hmm. if we were we're judging this thing on it's one of it's up there in top ten. Like right. definitive, like no filler, very well written story, all of that. Okay. Character development. Broadly speaking here, you Mm -hmm. go from beginning to end character development. I feel like this one, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 because even more than the plot, I think the color development is way more impactful than the plot ever was. Okay. As far as character development, I'm actually going to disagree and go the opposite direction. Oh, I'm giving it a five. Ooh, why? Because you have some characters that are really developed. Okay. Joe, Yori, Asaki, Sachio. But then there's some characters who they introduce them and then they really don't go anywhere. Like I think of the other three kids. Now, season two, you get more character development from them. But in season one, they're kind of just there. But the thing is, you don't have time. That's right. where filler episodes well, no, I come it. in. That's where I get it, but but that's why I can't give it a a higher grade on character development because yes, you developed your main character, you developed your antagonist, but we're on separate rubrics here. We're on separate rubrics. Well, so like I would equate it to something if I was going to equate it to another anime that more people would be familiar with, like Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z did this, where you had Goku's story, Mm -hmm. and you had all these characters. But at a certain point, a lot of those characters just quit being talked about. Yep. They would be seen, but they would never have any. Because on you the can't plot. focus on too much. It's the Mario versus Sonic effect. Mario Correct. only has a couple of characters. Like Luigi never comes back almost, unless it's its own separate game or as a DLC. Whereas in Sonic, like every game, it feels like he has multiple, and they don't get Precisely. enough story. And and, and, it, and it goes back to to the strength of the character. The problem is Sonic never grew to, to be able to support his own game after the second game. You're talking OG. By, OG. Yeah, I'm talking OG. By by giving him a crutch of Tails and then having to introduce Knuckles and Shadow and all these other characters, that was Sega not putting their full faith in what they could do with their one character. Yeah, versus Whereas Mario. Nintendo did the exact opposite. They put everything on Mario. Yeah, and then like side games, they would bring in other people. Absolutely. So we just are grading on different rubrics here, I feel like. 
because I don't care okay. about side characters in this particular thing well, because I, they're I side just, characters. I, I will if they're going to be side characters, let them be side characters. They are side characters. Don't keep so. bringing them in. No, but they, they keep are. bringing them back. Eh, it's debatable. But anyways, we got to move on. So, mm-hmm. music. I know we. I know first season, not second season. I would say even including the kid rap, which I know you're not a fan of, or you you're kind of iffy on. I yeah. still give it an. I still give this one the best possible score of a 10 out of 10 because it sets the moment. I feel like this is the strongest part of the series. And here, here's where we're going to disagree again. Yep. And here's, here's where I'm going to disagree. And and on my, on my point, you could literally watch this with the volume off and still know exactly what's going on. I kid you not that you're going to laugh, but in my rewatch of season one, Mm Mm-hmm. I accidentally muted the TV and it took me 15 minutes, almost halfway through an episode before I realized it. But that's just a testament to the story and to the plot itself. No, absolutely. But it's a testament to the visuals. It's a testament to, so I can't really give it such a great score of music because the music, while it adds to what's already there, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I can't I can't give it the same kind of a grade that I would give something like a Star Wars. So let's do this. Give your music score, then go into the visuals. Because I feel like the visuals is where you're going to really bump it up. So do that Absolutely. and then transition Absolutely. into. So with music, when I, when I think of a movie that is known for its music, mm-hmm. I think of your Star Wars. The John Williams movies. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The Hans Zimmerman, John Williams. Those are movies where the music made the movie. Yep. Like I say, you could play any any chords from, from the John Williams score of Star Wars, and nine times out of ten, most people will have that visual of Luke with his knee up looking at the two sons because that's what the music did is it implanted and burned that into your brain. You know what I realized? I didn't have a single moment where the music did that for me. You know what I just realized? We didn't even talk about the music in the Star Wars episode. I know. That is such a tragedy. We might actually have to oh, do absolutely. that. Absolutely. We may have to go back and and do another episode on Star Wars. We well, music in general. Like we might have to yeah. do another one on music in general at that point. Um okay, rating on music. Go. Uh like I said, a five. Okay, and then the visuals. The visuals. The visuals are where it all turned around for me. Like I said, mm-hmm. the visuals I've got to give to 10 out of 10. And you like this grainy style. So this style mm-hmm. is not the traditional, very polished, um, oh, not at looks all. very clean. They made this gritty. They made this feel like this is the junkyard alley. This is not, you know, pristine and proper. Right. I, I If I could equate it to something. It's like watching college football versus mm-hmm. uh, NFL. Yes. When you watch college football, you know that these kids are here because they love the game. Mm-hmm. It's not about the dollars. It's not about the endorsements or the they sponsors. They should be getting paid, but that's a whole they other thing we're going to talk about. In, in an ep- well, yeah, we're we'll get to an episode about. on that. But for the most part, these kids that are playing in college are playing for the sheer fact that they love this game. Okay. They, they they try harder. They leave more on the field. They they put more of themselves into the game. Yeah, but you Whereas still want to go to the NFL. Get, 
You still want to get to the NFL. Of course, everybody does. But by the time you get to the NFL, it's no longer about winning and losing and the team. It's more about my paycheck at the end of the season. Yeah. Is my deal going to be bigger than X or Y's deal? It becomes a lot more self-centered and self-focused in the NFL. Yeah. It's the same with this. This is more like the NCAA version of anime, whereas your Pokemons, your your uh, Dragon Ball Zs, your Naruto's, those are more the NFL. They're more the mainstream, what people know. Mm-hmm. So as somebody who enjoys the underdog story, I love how if, even the entire story is all about an underdog story mm-hmm. down to even the visuals are done in a very underdog style. So I probably for, missed you saying this. What was your rating on the visuals? Oh, 10 out of 10. Okay. Now, overall There's, rating. Overall rating. Okay. Unfortunately, even though the music did go low on me, yeah, it didn't really bump it too much. I still give it about a 9 out of 10. So overall, you're saying this is a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10 overall. Okay. I will say with visuals... Because it's the style they're going for, I'll give it a 9 out of 10. The style okay. they're going for. The animation's fluid. There's no issues there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, It's not my preferred, but again, this is the style they're going for. I'll meet with you there. I'll give it a 9 out of 10 overall. Okay. okay. I feel like at the end of the day, when you look at this, this is something you could easily sit down and watch and enjoy. And it's not like popcorn theater where you're just letting your mind go. You're you're actively right. getting mentally involved. Correct. In this. All Correct. right. It's there's an investment. All right. We have given y'all enough time. We are officially going to start about talking about season two. It is more mature themed. Mm-hmm. It is much more emotional. Yeah. And so let me explain the patterns of both seasons before we get into actually talking about it. So in the first season, it's your traditional shonen or what is considered the hero story in the West. So you go mm-hmm. from underdog to becoming X thing. You want to become like, you know, the leader of your village, the, you know, the person that ends the war or the person that, you know, you achieve a certain goal or dream. And that's what happens in the first season is you have a guy who goes from being impossible to get in to even participate to winning the whole thing. That's your traditional hero story. You know, think Luke Skywalker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Second season. The second season jumps from that point to five years ahead. Because remember, if they say they live happily ever after, you cut it off too early. Right. Because what happened is you start way lower than the first season. You are at rock bottom. And it's not a story of getting back to the top. It's a story of getting back to where you were in season one at the beginning. Right. Absolutely. So, So that being said. What did you feel like for the first episode when you saw Joe 
with the full face, with the full, you know, he's got all that scruff on his head, using gear, addicted, mm -hmm. all this stuff. Go. So then when season two opens up, it opens up with Joe five years later. And he's in the middle of nowhere. He's grown the full beard, as you said, long hair. He has gone and changed how he's his ring name. He's now going under the name of Nomad. And at first, when I was first going and watching through season two, I kind of I know I knew what a nomad was, but I never really understood the significance of nomad mm -hmm. until later on in the season when we see another character reading a story to his son about the nomad and the hummingbird. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to get to a character in a little bit that we talk about named Chief. And on his gear, he wears a hummingbird. Yep. And it was amazing how everything kind of just came all back together. When I heard that story, I was like, wow. Like, and I, and I almost missed it the first time. Really? Almost missed it the first time. Like, really? I almost brushed it off. But it was so you open up on on season two, mm -hmm. five years later, Joe is basically hit rock bottom. He's back underground fighting again, wearing gear mm -hmm. that's reminiscent of the one he used to wear, all outdated. And he winds up after the fight, winds up and goes and gets a prescription of painkillers. Mm -hmm. And he's taking these painkillers with alcohol. Bad combination. Bad combination. And Chief tells him that, that he needs to not do that stuff. He needs to stop. I feel like you're jumping ahead here. Because there's still a in episode one. This is yeah, but they fight first. Not yet. Not yet? Okay. Go oh, on. they fight at the end of episode one. Okay. Remember, because he was singing in the bar. Ah, right, right, right. And when he got done singing, he came down and sat down at the bar stool mm -hmm. and said, you know, amigo, you need to not be doing that. It's mm -hmm. bad for you. And Joe didn't care. Joe brushed him off, goes to the bathroom, and continues to take the pills. Yep. He winds up passing out on the floor. And then when he comes to, you know, he wakes up on the bathroom floor. Well, he decides to set up a fight. And the guy that he's working with, the promoter he's working with, winds up setting him a fight with Chief. We find is also a megalofighter. And Chief's a bigger him. guy. Like Chief, Chief Big is guy. not a small dude. Not at all. Like, like if you've seen season one, you you see Joe is a pretty slim guy. Mm -hmm. So Chief is a lot bigger. And so they fight, and uh, Joe winds up throwing a combo. And Chief winds up rolling off of it, but still goes down and gets knocked out. And uh, Joe is like, you know, hey, what was that? I, you know, I used to fight. I know when somebody's rolling off my punch. Yep. And Chief's like, you know, hey, man, we did our job. We put on a show. And Joe's like, no, that's that. It's not how that works. He gets all upset and gets in his feelings. Mm -hmm. And then Joe goes to attack him and chief lays him out yep knocks him out cold cold and that's the end of episode one that's where episode one ends and before we get any further you must have been sitting there going what did i just watch oh yeah because you don't you don't get the background 
of what happened was episodes three and four. Yeah, so you're just remember people watch this weekly when it first came right. out. So you'd have oh, to sit there for a week and going, What happened? Just what happened here? Right. So we go into episode two. Yep, we go into episode two. And uh, episode two starts with Joe getting his motorbike uh, stolen mm-hmm. by a kid. It hotwires the bike and takes off with it. So Joe goes and tracks it down. And he, and he tracks it down to this colony, or this little part of town, like its own little community. Yep. Like it's and, where a bunch of people live. Right. And so it's all people from the same country. Because you remember back in season one, the uh, the immigration storyline was heavy in the beginning of season one. Mm-hmm. About how you had to be a citizen to do megalo- uh, Megalodonia. Megalonia. Yeah, we're counting that. You see, well, remember last time how you got it wrong and we said we won't count it? This time we will. Right. Megalonia. You said Megalodonia. No way, did I? Yes, you did. Oh, man. Okay. That counts. All right. So, Megalonia. That counts. So, the, these people are all foreigners to this land. Mm-hmm. And they're getting harassed by the locals. So, we see that this kid that wound up stealing Joe's bike also runs around with the local kids. Mm-hmm. And he kind of is like, they're like, how do I put it? He they wants, keep him around he wants to kind to, of just make fun of him. He wants to feel um, a part of the group. So he'll right, he do wants to be a part of the group. Things to get so it. he does. Yeah. So he does all the stuff they tell him to do because he wants to be accepted, yep. but they just keep him around to make fun of him. Yeah. So it's, it's a very, Bad it's a very bad relationship, right? So, um, so Joe tracks down his bike into this uh, community, mm-hmm. and it turns out that Chief, the fighter that he had met the previous night, is a part of this community. Mm-hmm. He's like a leader in the community, and he does his fighting to kind of raise money for the community. He helps the community out with his winnings. Yeah, because this is a very poor area. Very, oh, very, very poor. poor. Very poor area. So then he confesses to Joe that he's kind of a fraud and that he's not really this great boxer, mega fighter that he that he claimed he was. But he then he says that he knows who Joe is. Mm-hmm. He calls him Gearless Joe, and Joe goes like, oh, how do you know? And this is the and first time you get confirmation Joe is Joe. Because through this right. whole thing, you're kind of thinking you're, you're it. Kinda, yeah, you're it has to be him. He looks like him, but the beard's kind of throwing you off. And yeah, and hair. he's wearing gear. Where's everybody at? Like, you're, right. you're left with this what? Like I said, right. We, we come into season two, and Joe has nobody. No one at all. I mean, when we left season one, he was on top of the world. He was the champion. Mm-hmm. He had made friends with Yuri. You know, he had Sachio. He had Nanu. He had the gym. He had the kids. Uh-huh. Aragai, Aragaki. This guy is at rock bottom. Yeah, he's alone. Yep. So it makes you think something had to happen to push him to this low. Uh-huh. And like I said, we find out in about episode five what happened. Yep. But right now we're back on episode two. We're back on two. So Chief invites Joe to stay in the community and become part of their community. Uh-huh. And Joe begins to help him. But in exchange, Joe begins to work with Chief and train him. 
so that Chief can continue to fight. Oh, yeah. And uh, so Chief starts to fight in the tournament. So they have have another tournament. Mm -hmm. This is not anything to the scale of Megalobox. This is just a local tournament thing. Right. But they just have a local tournament. And he starts to win. Mm-hmm. Joe, Joe, and then in the training that he gives Chief helps make that difference. Chief starts to start winning the, his fights. He starts showing promise to the point that people are noticing. And there's a, noticing. and just so you know, there's people who want to get rid of the people living on the land where all the people are living, because if mm-hmm. they do, they can then develop it into something else. Correct. Which is kind of where these local kids start coming in because these local kids are terrorizing. They're the, being the paid to. Oh, absolutely. They're being paid to graffiti. They're being paid to break windows and stuff like that. Yep. Because they so, know if they can get rid of them. Yeah. So one night these kids show up and uh, the young kid meets them outside the community mm-hmm. and they start to make Molotov cocktails and they start throwing them over the fence. Oh, one of the cocktails hits Chief's trailer. Oh, before I get ahead of that, let me backtrack a little bit. So we get a little bit of background on Chief, and it turns out that Chief had a son, mm-hmm. and his son helped him to design his gear. So Chief wears the gear partially because you know you, you fight with gear, but the other part is he wears it as a as a remembrance of her of his son who died. His wife has also passed, so he he's alone. Just like Joe, he has nobody mm-hmm. before this community. So when he found this community, he found home. So when these kids throw this cocktail, Motel cocktail, into Chief's trailer, it begins to set it on fire. So Chief runs, you know, busts through the door of the trailer, and starts grabbing all of his memories. Mm-hmm. And that's where season two ends, or episode two, I mean. Ends. Yeah, episode two. You have no idea so, if he lived, by the way, at this correct, point. Because as he's running in, the trailer like explodes. So you literally, th- this is how much of a roller coaster you're like. Season one, you kind of didn't feel these emotional kicks at the end of every episode. You mm-hmm. kind of want to know what happens. But season two, they're just like, oh, if you thought that Cliffhanger, was something. Cliffhanger, yeah. Just wait till we show you this. Right. So episode three opens up with Chief. Okay. He's not. He's not injured. He has some burns, but nothing bad. Yep. And so Joe decides that he's going to start getting off of these pain pills. So he starts getting clean. And as he's getting clean, he's uh, really struggling with it because it part of getting off the pills is he has to face the hurt and the pain that the pills were keeping away. Yeah, because... See, the pills made it where he couldn't think about all the stuff that was happening before. Yeah. Because for him to get to rock bottom, stuff had to happen. Yep. So the only way Joe kept those memories at bay was to stay doped up on, on, uh, metaphines. Mm-hmm. And amphetamines. Sorry. Yeah. I want to make sure I pronounce that correctly. But <laughs> anyway, so he's, so he, so he decides he's going to get off these pills. Mm-hmm. And so he starts to get off of him. He starts going through the, the withdrawals and the, and the recovery process. And while this is happening, Chief is also 
like you, like we said, fighting in these tournaments. Yep. And he's starting, and he wins. He winds up winning this whole tournament. And he winds up getting a big payday, and he winds up giving that money to the community and helping the community out. Mm-hmm. And everybody, it's looking like, you know, Joe's finally found home. Joe's finally back on his feet, and he's making progress. And then the first real gut punch of the season happens. Chief goes to lay down in his truck to go to sleep because his trailer's burned down. Mm-hmm. The next morning, Chief doesn't wake up. Nope. He died in his sleep. So you had Joe, who was starting to make recovery, starting to make this poor progress in his life. And then the first time he finally opened himself up to somebody... And allowed himself to feel for another person, they died. That's when he decides he's leaving the community. He wants to go mend the life he used to have. Yep, before before something like that happens to those people and he doesn't get a chance to do it. Right. Right. So the nomad gets on his bike leaving the community that he had come to know. Yep, which by the way, let's let's do some housekeeping. By winning that tournament, they have the money to stay there and everything, so they'll all be fine. Right. So now they don't. Yeah. With that money, they were able to basically purchase the land. Basically, purchase the land and make sure that they will be there for generations. Yep. And Joe also takes the gear. Yes. So Joe takes uh, the gear because they tell him that Chief would want him to have it. Yep. So Joe packs it up and he goes back home. And and that that's in episode four. It's somewhere around there. It's it's early on still because you have a lot of stuff to go over. Well, yeah. So we okay. get so he comes back home, and this is where yeah. you start to get inklings of what exactly happened here because a lot happened. He comes home. He comes home, and the first thing he does is he goes to the mechanic shop. Mm-hmm. He sees one of the kids working as the mechanic's apprentice. Kind of says hi, and they just brush him right off. He's like, you know, I'm sorry about what happened. Don't be Joe. We're better off without you. You abandoned us. And you're like, okay, what happened to make Joe go from being like their big brother to abandoning them? Because remember, this is five years we're talking about. That's a long time. Right. So what we find out is that Nanu... Mm-hmm. That's cancer. Had. Oh, yeah. We go into a flashback of years ago. We find out that Nanu had cancer. And in order to pay for his operation, which would have been very expensive, mm-hmm. Joe agrees to a fight with Yuri, who, season one, Yuri, who is now in a wheelchair, has begun to train this new up and coming fighter. So in order to get the money for non-new surgery, he agrees to get this, this new upcomer. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why everybody gets upset at this is because Joe has retired. Yep. Joe has been retired for almost two years at this point. He has not stepped back in the ring. He has stepped out of the spotlight. has been gone for two years. He won the championship and basically... Just, yeah, basically left. Bobby Fischer did. Those that are familiar who Bobby Fischer is. Bobby Fischer was a chess player who won the World te- uh, Chess Championship 
and then dropped off the face of the earth mm-hmm. or to be seen again. It's the same here. So, so Sachio is like, you know, I can't believe you're doing this. You know, we're trying to be there for pops, which is what they call Nanu. We're trying to be there for pops, but you're abandoning us for this fight. Yep. And Joe, who is an adult, is thinking, I'm not abandoning you for a fight. I'm fighting to, for, the, for the prize money mm-hmm. so we can pay to keep Pops alive. Yep. And it, and it kind of, it, and uh, the best way I can explain it, it's kind of like a 10-year-old, a 20-year-old, as far as the way they view life. Exactly. A 10-year-old like only sees four corners around them. Mm-hmm. Whereas a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, they're looking more down the road, bigger picture here. Yep, because he was but thinking Joe he was could keep him alive picture. versus the kid was thinking, let's spend the last moments with him. Right. Sachio's basically determined, hey, nothing can save Pops. Let's just spend every moment left with him, enjoying him. Yep. Whereas Joe's saying, I refuse to accept that it's over. I'm going to keep fighting because we're going to save Pops. Absolutely. The problem with this is this. While everybody else was spending time with Pops, Joe was spending time in the gym. Training, getting himself back into it. And getting him back into shape, correct. But then the problem is, he can't be two places at once. Not at all. Not there, at he all. He has to 100% to this fight and neglect and forsake Nanu for the time being. In or order to give all he's this. Gonna neg- right. Or he's going to negate the fight and spend all his time with Pops. Oh, absolutely. And that winds up leading to a conflict between him and Sashio. Because mm-hmm. Sashio is like, you know, Pops was like a father to you. He gave everything. He believed in you. And now you're turning him when he needs you the most. Just in a real, a real turn, a real twist, we turn out that Nanu agrees with Joe mm-hmm. about this fight. He doesn't like it, but he understands that it's something Joe has to do. Oh, yeah. So He doesn't so blame Joe. Joe. He doesn't blame Joe. So Joe gets ready to fight Yuri. Mm-hmm. So he gets in shape. Aragaki's been training him. They get ready for the fight night. Five minutes before the match, you get a phone call. Mm-hmm. Pops has taken a turn for the worse. He might not let so make much kids, longer. Right. So all the kids have decided this fight's this. We're not, not doing this. It. Not worth it. They run to Pops' side. Yep. Joe has put all this time into this fight. Now has a a choice. To walk away from the fight he's been training for to go be Pops by Pops' side. Or does he go through this fight and then hopefully win and bring the money back? Yeah, because this is a big issue. Because if he leaves, they're not getting the money. Nope. Which and means they're Pops, not getting another fight either. Which means Pops is gone anyway. So this so is Joe, what he can do. This is so Joe mentally thinking this is what he can do exactly. to do it. Right. Joe makes the decision that he's going to go through with this fight. Yep. So he goes into the fight. And this young kid, he he is matching Joe pace for pace. At first, the, the announcer is like, it's like Joe never left. He's still in great shape. His cardio is great. Mm-hmm. Then we see that it's really not great. This kid is outpacing him left and right. 
that Joe's cardio is trash. He he cannot keep this fight up. Nope, because he's been out of it for two years. Like you, I, you have to admit the shape you have to be in to box at a professional level or even semi-professional is completely different than the normal shape. Well, absolutely. There, there's so much more that goes into fighting than just punches. I would People argue don't... jump roping was invented just for boxers. I would actually agree. I think the jump ropes were originally invented for boxers. Yes. Um, but for example, one thing that my, that, that we used to do, hindsight looked really stupid but it made sense when we did it was we used to do Mm sit-ups i would lay flat bring my feet all the way up and lower them back straight leg lifts going up but when i but i would hold them about three or four inches off the ground and then my dad would take 10 shots on each of my ribs Mm -hmm. hit me 10 times on my ribs and the reason for that was first and foremost abs Mm mm-hmm Holding it helped build cardio. But the third thing with the hitting, that, that helped me to fight through pain. Yep. As part of fighting is getting hit. You could be the strongest boxer in the world with the most devastating left hook. If you cannot take a punch. You're down. You're, they call it a glass cannon for a reason. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that that was, that was part of it. But anyway, so Joe winds up being caught this kid mm-hmm. he goes down he goes in hard hard as he's laying there everybody's screaming get up get up get up but if you've ever seen rocky three rocky fights clover lane for the first time yeah this is exactly what happened he's laying there and a single tear starts going down his face because he knows he, he says can. i'm sorry pops and then 10 knockout mm-hmm. and everybody goes oh the guy's name is uh Edison Lou mm-hmm. is Yuri's protege and like Edison Lou is just knocked out the champion yep everybody ah, they're all screaming getting excited so he lost and didn't get anything and made the bad decision right so he lost didn't get anything mm-hmm Made the well, decision. Well, he's going to make something top. off the fight. You always make something. Well, of course, you make something. We make, but not even close. There's always a purse for a fight. Yep. Oh, yeah. And you it agree to it. Between winning and losing. But you um, always agree to a certain amount as champion. Like, because Floyd, even even if he lost against the Pacquiao fight, he was going to make more money. No. So, for example, you're talking about Mayweather. Yeah. When Mayweather fought McGregor. Mm hmm. Where the fought McGregor with a guaranteed purse of a hundred million dollars. Yep, means win, lose, draw. Mayweather was making at least a hundred million dollars. Oh, you have to if you want to get his time. Say that. McGregor made forty million. million? It's his purse. So that means if he won, it'd be more. But his guaranteed payout was at least forty million. Yeah. But that so, tells you the difference in just boxing well, versus UFC in terms of money. Think about this for a second, right? McGregor made more money in that fight than he did his entire UFC career. Why do you think he did it? Well, that's my point. That's why. But that's why he, when he came back, he didn't care as much. No. Have you seen him lately, though? No. Gregor? 
Oh, dude's like 180 now. Oh, he's gotten hot. He's gotten heavier. But yeah, he put on like 50 pounds of muscle. He's juicing. Anyways, <clears throat> so he loses the match, but he gets up of afterwards, and then he runs. Oh, yeah, he gets the match at the ten count. Yeah, and he runs over to Edison, and he's like, "No." It's not over. It can't end like this. I won't let it end like this. You lost. Arigaki's like, it's over, dude. You lost. Let's just move on. It's a it's bad. Kind of it's a bad loss. It's a bad. Well, it's kind of reminiscent to the first Yuri fight. Yeah. So I think is why he did it. I think that's why he did it. Mm-hmm. If you think back to the Yuri fight when Yuri beat him, did the same thing and Yuri threw down the challenge to come to to Megalonia yep. and fight him. I think that's what he had intended was that this kid was going to be like, all right, let's have a rematch. Yep. Cause that, you're that not fight anymore. Goal. Right. But I think that was his way to try to get another fight out of this kid yep. for more money. Cause he knew pops would need the money. Absolutely. But anyway, Oh, we, we find out that pops passed away. And Joe basically just falls apart. Because Joe wasn't there like he should have been. And Joe winds up just leaving. Yep. By the way, this whole time, he has been seeing images of Pops. Oh, yes. So ever since episode one, while he was on the narcotics or the painkillers, he would always see Pops at these random times. And you're like, wait, is he here? Is he not here? Like anyone who knows what he's actually going through knows what's going on. But if you're like new to this, you're like, wait, what is going on here? Casting. It's called casting. It's where memories break through the haze that you're in and they cast images that you see. Yep. It's and and it's also a very big sign of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, absolutely. those that have suffered with it, especially soldiers that suffer with it, they'll claim to see bodies. They'll claim to see people that they knew. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So Joe winds up leaving everybody high and dry. Yep. Can't just He can't face anybody BTFOs. because of the fact that he lost. And yeah, he just boom, and takes off. Yep. Leaving Sashio, the kids... Aragaki and everybody just standing around going, what happened? Yep. Because so, he's the kind of big brother. He can still pull money because he also has a gym. That's right. another thing oh, you yeah, can talk about. Oh, no, yeah, they, we talked about it at the end of season one that uh, Pops opened up a gym. He kind of leaves the gym to Joe. Joe. But Joe kinda leaves rough. it. Yeah, but Joe leaves it. So Sashio kind of steps in, puts the run it. And then, after about two or three years of Joe not coming back, everybody kind of starts to go their own way. Yep. They're everybody all still friends. Like, the, all the lives. kids are still friends. Yeah, but they all start moving on with their lives. Yep. And they all start getting into what they're going to do. So you have... Like Santa. Sorry, go ahead. You have Santa. Santa was one of the kids. He winds up becoming a journalist. Yep. Um... Conveniently, he is the one who is most accepting of Joe just because he knows it's in his own self-interest. Absolutely. When Joe comes back, he's the first one to accept Joe because he all he sees is the big story. 
oh, that's that, that, that. This will set his career. This will set his yeah. career. Yeah. Here's the interview with Gearless Joe after five years, and he's going to get the exclusive. He wants the exclusives. Then um, I can't remember the the other kid's name, the heavier one. The, but he the winds cook. up set. Yeah, he opens up a restaurant. Yep, we'll call him the cook. Cook, yeah. And then Sachio, Sachio, he ran off to the Drunk Monk, which is where Joe used to do his underground fights, and he's starting to fight underground to make money. Which he could have been an engineer. This kid is probably the smartest well, yeah. character is, of anyone not in the 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 the, the head Shiratu. corporation, the Shiratu. Shiratu. Shiratu Corporation. Like, if they're not he affiliated with brilliant. that corporation, he is the smartest character on screen. Absolutely. So, so you also have the girl who ends up being with the mechanic, which is like which which brings us back to where we were just talking about yep. where he's finally coming back home. She's the first one he sees, mm-hmm. and um, so he finds out that so he talks to the mechanic and he finds out what everybody's been doing. Yep. So he finds out that this kid that the that the cook opened up a restaurant. So he goes to visit the restaurant. Before he does, um, the kids are there and they're all talking and stuff. And this one guy insults the girl, mm-hmm. like harasses her. Sachio takes a bottle of beer and like cracks it over the guy's head. Yep. And so they wind up and a little scuffle. coming back. They wind up in a scuffle, but they wind up coming back and taking the deed to the cook's building to his restaurant as collateral for their damages. Yep. Pushes Sachio to fight in the arena to try to get that back, mm-hmm. that deed back. And so Joe goes back into the gangster who, from the first season, who's still running the underground fights, convinces him to let him take Sachio's place. Mm-hmm. He because does. Sachio so... is trash. He is not oh, yeah. good. He Sasha, should not be fighting. Sasha, Sasha takes the beatings that Joe used to take, has none of the skill that Joe had. Oh, yeah. Like, he cannot at all compete. Like, at all. Not at all. And so, Joe winds up taking his place in the fight with the guy. Mm-hmm. And in the turn of events, everybody's like, oh, Gearless Joe's back. They're betting all their money on him. Oh, Joe loses. But this time, it's on purpose. This time it was a setup. It was a fix because he wanted to get the deed back to the cook's restaurant. So he agrees to take the dive in exchange for the deed. Yep. It does. He takes the dive. But then Joe gets in touch with Edison. Lee, who's like, Hey man, I got a fight coming up with this new guy named Mac Rosario. Mm-hmm. I want you to train with me. I want you to be my sparring partner and help me get ready. As they're sparring and training, Santa and the uh, cook are like hiding out in the gym Watch with a camera, it. and they're recording this because he's deciding that he wants to turn this into a story. Oh, as he should, as any reporter Joe, should. That Gearless Joe is getting back in the ring. So when Joe goes back to the gym, mm-hmm. he finds it destroyed. Yep, destroyed. We find out that about two years ago, there's a giant tsunami mm-hmm. that destroyed the gym. Yep. Thankfully, everyone so, survived. Thankfully, Sancho got everybody out. 
took them to the VA. Mm-hmm. The VA kind of helped them all get on their feet while they got their lives together. Yep. So Joe decides he's going to fix the gym up. Mm-hmm. The project help with his sobriety. He's going to fix the gym up and then he's going to try to repair his relationships. And one night while he's sleeping, he gets jumped by Sachio, who basically blames him for abandoning them. Justifiably so. So I'm realizing something just now. I'm going out of order. You are very much going out of very big order. This was what I'm talking about now is like season five, episode five. We're like on on episode eight now. Yeah, like you're jumping so much out of order here. It's hilarious. I was trying to see how long Telling it would take you. So I'm only 30 minutes in, you're completely telling this out of order. I was like, how long is he going to keep this up? Telling a better narrative. I don't agree, but go for it. I'm telling my narrative. Your truth? So, yeah, my truth. So Sachio attacking Joe happened like before we found out yep. about the abandonment and all that. But anyway, so Joe and the kids all start putting the gym back together. Mm-hmm. Then right as the gym is almost done getting back together, a giant storm moves in again. So we have this wonderful scene where Joe, by himself at first, is trying to tie everything down and tarps and stuff on the on the gym. And one by one, the kids slowly come in and start helping him one by one until they're almost all there except for Sashio. Yep. Sashio has not quite forgiven joe yet yeah because he had the most emotional attachment to this whole thing so the 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 damage done to him was harder than anything else and the thing we should say is i don't remember when this exactly happened in the list because now you're getting me confused on the order thanks a lot but you have a confrontation between these two am i talking or is this what comes right after this okay you take it away joe comes in and says he doesn't want him fighting anymore. Yep. He agrees to a match. If Sashio wins, I'm trying to remember what the stipulations were. Give me a second. So if Sashio wins, then Joe will leave forever. Yep. No questions asked. Gone. Questions asked. Walks out. Then Sashio and Joe, or Joe's agreement is he'll leave forever. But if he wins, then Sashio has to stop fighting. He has to hang up his gloves for good. Yep. Which, by the way, the the, the mob boss guy was going to make him do that either way. Right. Right. Because he's not a draw. He's not making money. No. He's terrible. Here you have this little pipsqueak going into the match. Nobody's betting on him. No. No one's betting All on betting the match anyways because the odds are terrible. Right. So it's just bad business. Yeah. So they wind up getting into They wind up fighting. And every time Joe hits him, he says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And this infuriates Sasha. Well, yeah, who's like, he's... He's, he's trying his he's all quiet. here. He's giving everything he has, and Joe's just literally dodging every shot. Yeah, and then just barely love-tapping him. Yeah, barely just popping him. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just little extensions. And the match actually ends with Joe knocking Sasha to the ground. Yep. And then hugging him and embracing him. They hug and they embrace and they cry. Mm-hmm. It's a really powerful moment. So we find out that Mac Rosario 
Edison Lee have their fight. Mm-hmm. And while they're in their fight, Matt gets hit. Boom. You see something in his eyes change. Yep. And it's called Matt. He time. goes from this. He goes from this this you know strategic fighter to this monster. Mm-hmm. And they they call it Mac time. That's the if if this was a fighting game, Mac time is his special move, his finisher. Yep. He hits Mac time and winds up putting Edison in a hospital bed. Oh, it, it was a bad beating. So for I feel like did we properly explain who Mac was? Okay, so no, because we don't find out who he was until a couple episodes. Till another okay, episode. then let's leave it there. Up and comer. So this is the up and comer. This is the new one for the corporation where he is going to be the new Yuri. Right. So a little bit background on the on the. Actually, when we talk about his background in the next episode, yeah. we'll talk about what the corporation is doing. Okay, so he winds up knocking out Edison Lee, and now he is the champion. Mm-hmm. And in his first match as champion, that's who he calls out. Gearless Joe! Calls out Gearless Joe for his first defense as the champion. Now, this is an exhibition fight, so everyone knows. This yeah, was not actually fight. a title fight. Not a title fight because Joe's been gone five years. Yeah, no. Joe has to beat him in exhibition, and then they could go for a title, title fight. Shot. Yeah. So he decides to fight in the exhibition fight. So he challenges Joe, and Joe's hesitant because Joe's been out the out of the ring officially for almost five years at this point. Yeah, in in uh, sanction fights. Right. So he told. So he talks to Sasha. He talks to Ergaki. And he's like, you know, I don't know if I can do this fight. And Sasha's like, whatever you choose to do, I'm not going to support you. I'm not, I don't agree with it, but I will be in your corner. Yep. I don't like it, but I'll be here. So all the kids are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that Joe can do it. So there's still that animosity, animosity between him and the I mean, one kid. Because of how strong that hurt. Like, he's back, Mm -hmm. but he's still waiting for the other shoe to drop. So, I like how they did this here. Because it's not this, oh, everything gets fixed immediately. It takes time. time. like that. Which is real life. Arigaki comes to Yuri. Mm -hmm. Asks Yuri to help train Joe. Yep, because... Joe is nowhere near Megalobox shape. Nowhere near. It's evident. So then we get a little background on our new champ, mm-hmm. Max Rosario. So Max Rosario used to be a cop. He yep. fight. It was a boxer. He loved boxing to be a cop. And he he was pretty good at his job. He was a hero. And he was he saved these kids from a burning building. Like he straight up was a national, national hero, hero, like a local hero. He was like the man. But in his line of duty of being a cop, he winds up crossing uh like a mob. Mm-hmm. Not the mob, but like something like the mob. Yeah, not it's the just, not the mob guy that we know, but just in like, general. Like there's another, another gang. Another, 
the gang, and he winds up crossing them. They wind up shooting him and paralyze him. Mm-hmm. He's now paralyzed. No, cannot walk, cannot fight. He's paralyzed. And now, and then they find out that his son needs a heart transplant. Yep. So, so what winds up happening is we find out that the company, Shirazo, working with another guy, I completely forget his name. Uh, Somos, I believe it is, something like that. Uh, Ro- I'll look it up. Oh yeah, it, it's Roscoe. Mm-hmm. The name of the company. So Roscoe company develops this gear that helps to augment through his paralysis. Yep. But allows him to fight, essentially fight again, as if he was never paralyzed. But side effect that it's having on his brain what's causing this thing called Mac attack Mac time time so his electrical neurons in his brain are being triggered by this gear and it's firing off in his brain inappropriately causing uncontrollable rage and aggression so he he essentially blacks out and has no idea what's happened oh yeah like he he completely just control so, problem though is Roscoe Company, which is working with Shirato to develop this gear, they're hiding this. Mm-hmm. They're hiding this data. They're padding the numbers. They're making it look like, oh no, nothing's wrong. He's just getting intense. That's what it is. He's in the fight. He's in the moment. Yep. So we find out that um, Miko Shirato is a professor. And he's helped to develop this gear with the other guy, the company. I thought it was he, like, knows, like, he knows enough about this to know that it's not actually. He helped develop the gear initially. Yeah, like, he helped it, he and then he decided out. to be off against it. He kind of started raising flags, and he was like, yeah. wait a minute, what is this about? What's that about? He started asking too many questions, and they pushed him out. Yeah, like, they just straight up, like, no, 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 no. no. Quit asking questions. <laughs> yeah, like, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Right. So, we find out that the, the gear, which is nicknamed BS or Bess mm-hmm. at Roscoe, is being looked at for soldiers for the military because they want to use this on wounded and on wounded soldiers who want to return to battle. Yep. Can't. Whether it be through loss of limb or through paralysis or torn muscles, mm-hmm. whatever it is that keeps them from being able to fight, they want this gear to kind of return their soldiers back to the front lines. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Yuki Shirato, mm-hmm. the girl from the first one, she doesn't she, she doesn't like this idea. He thinks it's very disrespectful to do, very dangerous. Absolutely. Absolutely. So she winds up up confronting Roscoe about it. And And he's uh, like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. You want the numbers? Here they are. And he's like giving her these numbers that he's been manipulating. And so she's kind of hesitant, kind of weird. So she launches an internal investigation into this. Mm -hmm. So... We then cut to Mac 
sitting there with his son. He's watching the game film from the fight. Yep. With Edison. His son's like, yeah, dad, you're such a great fighter. You know, this is great. He's like, you know, a good fighter watches film to learn their opponent. Then he goes into Mac time yep. on film. And that's the son goes, that's when you scared me. And Ooh. he had never seen Mac time before. Yeah. Bear in mind. He doesn't remember out. it. He doesn't remember at all. He watches himself go at berserk. All. He goes, what was that? He's never seen this Mac time. This Roscoe company has been doing a really good job of keeping him away from footage of these fights. Mm-hmm. They've been very good about manipulating what he saw. Oh, yeah, they had to. Well, the first time he saw the brutality of what he did. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Roscoe and he says that he's going to fight Joe on his own terms. Oh, yeah. Because he won't go into Mac time against Joe. You would not believe how hard it is to find a li- actual good list of these characters. Like, holy crap. <laughs> I've been spending the last 10 minutes looking. Okay, let me try oh. IMDb. Keep going. So what he winds up doing is he winds up working with the lady who has been working directly with him on his neurals mm-hmm. and says, hey, I don't want you to lie to me. Give me the numbers. What is really going on with my brain? Oh, yeah. She comes clean about everything. We find out that Mac, reason he was selected mm-hmm. was because of his injury. He wasn't paralyzed. But the reason why he ultimately went through it was his wife, his power of attorney, overrode him. Mm-hmm. He was in a catatonic his state. His wife is Maria, by the way. The same Maria. She winds up overriding him because the company tells him that if Mac will get the gear, mm-hmm. his best gear, then they will pay to get his son's operation and yep. save their son's life. So, so they basically put her against a wall mm-hmm. and say, if you don't let us put this gear on your husband, your son's going to die from not having a heart. Oh, yeah. So, so as a mother, the dude who's running this company, his name is Ryuku. Ryuku? I think so. I think that's how it's pronounced. It's R Y. Let me get it back up on the screen. So it is R Y U G O. Oh, Rigu. 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 Yeah. Okay. So that's the guy but, who's um, funding the company that's working with the Sriracha organization, just so we're getting uh, everyone caught up. So she winds up coming clean and tells the story on what really happened. Mm-hmm. Mac, at, at first, you think, you think Mac's going to seem upset at his wife for doing that. He tells her, he says, you know, I understand as a parent, you'll do anything for your children. Yep, because he's done the same thing. He would have done the same thing for his son, yeah. So earlier I alluded to the story of the nomad and the hummingbird. Yep. Mac is the one who reads the story to his to his son every night before bed. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of tell the story of the nomad and the hummingbird. Go for it. Then I'm going to tie it back to how this is all the story of season two. So a nomad is wandering in the desert. A hummingbird comes across him mm-hmm. and tells him that he wishes him wishes for him to sing his song. And the nomad says, no, I do not want to hear this song. And like, I don't want to hear it. So the hummingbird gives him a challenge. 
He says, if I can get you to tell me a lie, you have to listen to my song. Mm-hmm. The nomad goes, go ahead. He goes, okay. He goes, why do you not want to hear my song? The nomad says, because I have nothing to live for. The hummingbird says, you told a lie. And, and the nomad goes, what do you mean? He goes, you have eyes to see. You have ears to hear. Right there shows that you have life. Mm-hmm. If you have no life and you have eyes to see, you have ears to hear. Those are things that, that's, that you still have. Yep. Say you have nothing. So the nomad kind of smirks knowing he's been tricked and says, okay, let me hear your song. So the hummingbird sings him a song. And then the story continues that later on down the road, further in the desert, the hummingbird comes again. The hummingbird says, let me sing you my song again. The nomad says, no, I don't want to hear it. He says, all right, same bet. If I can get you to tell me a lie, mm-hmm. you must hear my song. So the nomad goes, okay, well, I know I have eyes to see. I have ears to hear. He goes, but outside of that, I have nothing left. The hummingbird says, but do you not have hands to feel and feet to walk? And smiling, the nomad says, I, I, I do. Huh. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to hear your song again. And the hummingbird begins to sing a more beautiful song. And then Nomad appreciates it and keeps walking. Third time, the hummingbird comes to the Nomad. He tells him, you must hear my song one last time before I die. The Nomad this time is like, why are you so intent on me hearing this song? And, and the hummingbird tells him that this song will take him home. Mm-hmm. Like it will actually take him home. Mm-hmm. So the nomad says, okay. And he listens to this hummingbird song one final time. Mm-hmm. As the hummingbird finishes the song, the hummingbird dies. Oof. Right. And the nomad picks the hummingbird up and he looks. He says, you know, I'm, he, you know, he says, thank you for the song. But when the when the nomad looks up, nomad is home. Mm. And so end of the story was that no matter how lost the nomad was, the hummingbird was sent to send him home. Mm-hmm. And even without the nomad knowing whole time the hummingbird was pointing him home yep so we can and the way this goes back into the whole story is joe was calling himself nomad Mm -hmm. lost in the wilderness of of his life did not know which way was home until he met the hummingbird Mm -hmm. like i said when he met chief what did chief have on his gear a hummingbird hummingbird Mm -hmm. chief was joe's hummingbird found joe at his absolute lowest and through his song quote unquote his compassion his love his openness 
he pointed Joe back in the, in the direction he had to go get back home. He pointed Joe back home. Mm-hmm. And then he carried Joe all the way through everything Joe dealt with. Joe carried Chief with him by carrying that gear. Every time he would fill, fill down, he would look at that gear and he would think about the man that helped bring him back. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the hummingbird actually brought Joe home and reunites him with his family that he lost so long ago. So then Joe decides he's going to accept the fight. So then the day of the fight comes. They've been training. They've been getting ready for this fight. Day of the fight comes, and Yuki Shirato approaches uh, Rigo and tells him, hey, we're cutting this contract. Mm-hmm. breaking our contract with you. He goes, you can't do that. You know, everybody, if, the, if, if it comes out that this does this, you're going to be blamed just as much as I am. Mm-hmm. And she basically tells him, look, I will take full responsibility on my company's behalf. I would rather, I will tank my life, my legacy with this company, than allow you to hurt Mac more than you already have. So she winds up coming clean. Mm-hmm. She resigns. Yeah, she winds up coming clean. She steps down as chairman of her company. Mm-hmm. And in turn, Rigo gets arrested. Does he? Hmm? Gets arrested. I thought the whole thing didn't come out. Oh, it did. Okay. It did. So it's time for Joe to fight Mac. Mm-hmm. So Mac Rosario comes out and he's ready to fight. And in his corner, he's got the girl who has been doing all the data analysts on his brain. Yep. The one her, who came forward initially. Right. So her point of being there is she's going to monitor anytime Mac gets close to going into Mac time, mm-hmm. she's going to tell him, hey, you, you, she's going to alert him to it so he knows and keeps him. Keeps, yeah. Chill out. Call, stay out of it. Like, out. Calm down. You're good. That's her job. Yep. So Joe ends up showing up to fight. He's wearing Chief's gear. Which shocks everybody. He told Sasha that he wanted to wear Chief's gear as an homage to to, to, to the hummingbird. Yep. When he puts it on, it's too bulky for him. Mm -hmm. Can't do anything with it. It's too heavy. It's too bulky. He can't fight effectively in it. This is before the fight. The fight. The mechanic. Sorry, Sasha brings it to the mechanic who also has the girl. I don't remember her name. And he says, hey, this is too bulky. We need to figure something out. Yep. So Sasha and the mechanic actually wind up stripping the gear down, mm-hmm. rebuilding it in a smaller frame for Joe. Yep. So Joe will have the same gear, but it's going to be in a smaller frame build more suited to his build. Yeah, because Chief was like probably a good 225, 250 guy. Uh, yeah, Chief Chief was a good like six foot four, 260. Yeah, and Joe's, Joe's like, like a 5'10", 140. I'd give him 180. You'd give him 180? Give him 180. Okay. You you know yeah. this more than I would. But for those, but and look at look at the difference between my brother and me. I'm 180. Mm-hmm. He's about 270. Yeah. 
and looking at the two of us, you can definitely see there's still a size difference there. Yeah, but you can still knock him out. Oh, yeah. But, but you actually know how to fight. Hmm. So what winds up happening is Joe and Mac begin their fight. Mm-hmm. And at first, they, they're and they're they're how do I put it? They're not even evenly matched close. No. He's running circles around Joe. Beating the snot out of Joe. And he drops Joe with this devastating cross. Joe goes down one, two, three, four, does this whole standing eight count, gets back up. Man, your internet is lagging so bad on my end. It looks like you're freeze framing, like the camera's specifically doing like I like you in this pose or that pose or Okay. But yeah. anyway, so then Mac throws a shot and Joe blocks it. Mm-hmm. And um, Joe then just turns it on. Like, I, best way I can explain it is if you've seen the movie Rocky Balboa, it's one of the last Rocky movies they ever made. Mm-hmm. Rocky talks about how there's still something in here he has to get out. Something in here. He- yeah, something in, in his heart, something in his soul that still needs to fight. Mm-hmm. When he last fought, he didn't get it all out. So the, that, that, that goes back to the to a conundrum that a lot of fighters have. I call it the unresolved fight. Mm-hmm. Every fighter that did not go out on their own terms has what's called what I call the unresolved fight. They that need last- one more to settle it. Like how Peyton Manning and Elway in football, they both, like, Elway won two Super Bowls, he out. Peyton Manning won that last Super Bowl, he out. Right. But yet, in fighting, go out on your, to not go out on your own terms is not how you want to go. Yep. Don't, you want to be the reason, you want to be the one that makes the decision when you retire. Yep. You don't want to be told your old news. Right. So what happens is Joe winds up determining this is my last fight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put everything into this fight. We'll have no regrets. None at all. And Mac, and then he winds up sidestepping Mac and he lays Mac out on the canvas, shocking everybody. This would be the equivalent today of, for example, of today's boxing. Tyson Fury is one of the is is the heavyweight champion in multiple multiple uh, conferences or multiple cl- championships classes. Oh, no, no, not classes because classes go you know, middleweight heavy. Multiple conferences. Uh, they, they don't really have conferences. They have belts. Yep. In boxing, there's like five actual belts in boxing. Mm-hmm. WBC, WBC, stuff like that. So you can be simultaneously like a heavyweight champion of the IBC. There still be a different heavyweight champion of the WBC. Okay. So basically, um, it would be like today, Jason Fury is like a three, of the five championships champion of the heavyweights, and then Mike Tyson deciding he wants to have an exhibition fight with him, and fighting they're going around in circles and then you know he drops mike tyson mm-hmm. everybody's like oh tyson's over he's washed up it's done and tyson stands up and knocks him straight to the canvas yep it would shock everybody everybody'd be like, everybody'd be like what where did that come from 
Tyson still got it. Tyson still got it. Yep. That's what the commentators would be saying. It's the same here. People are like, whoa, where did this come from? See the Joe, Joe Rogan like, what happened here? Right. Yeah. And that's the thing about fighting sports in general. There's a, there's a reason it's called the puncher's chance. Oh, yeah. Anyone, any day. Like, same thing. Like, any day, if you get to that point where you're getting in the ring, you got a shot. Absolutely. I mean, one of the most, some of the most famous ones, um, Sonny Liston and Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the most famous pictures of Muhammad Ali of all time is Muhammad Ali standing over his opponent like this. That was literally from the Sonny Liston fight. So what had happened was going into that fight, um, nobody thought that uh, that Ali had a chance. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought Ali was going to beat Sonny Liston. This Sonny is Liston the fight that made Ali, Ali, right? This was the fight that made Ali a serious contender. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, he was Cassius Clay. Yeah, he nobody changed his seriously. But when he knocked Sonny Liston to the ground everybody realized that uh this kid was something to be reckoned with oh absolutely and what made it what made it so amazing was when he knocked Sonny listened to the canvas that's when he began to trash talk mm-hmm. began to trash talk Sonny listen back to his feet so some of the most famous moments like this in boxing are buster douglas beating mike tyson mm-hmm. Muhammad ali knocking out joe frazier Back back then, television was still in its infancy, so not everybody had TVs. Oh, it was the so radio. Most people boxing through the radio. My grandfather used to tell me the story of the night that that Ali knocked out Frazier. Mm-hmm. That he was listening to his little radio. All of a sudden, in the radio, you hear, "Down goes Frazier." I'm repeat, Frazier is down. Nobody saw this coming. This is the fight of the century. You're not seeing it. You're only hearing it. Yeah. In your mind, you're picturing people are ripping the benches off the ground out of excitement. Because put it in perspective, how big was Frazier? Frazier was the champ. Frazier was the champ. He had already knocked Ali out before. Mm -hmm. Frazier was the man. Frazier was on a tear through the heavyweight division. What wound up happening was Muhammad Ali was champion. Then when he refused to go to Vietnam, mm-hmm. he got he stripped, stripped of, it. of his title and put in jail. Yep. Which... And then his first fight back was against, um, what's his face? Uh, Foreman, George Foreman, mm-hmm. the thriller Manila. That was a huge fight. It was a huge fight. And then Ali wound up winning that fight. And he wound up shortly after getting his belt back. And then he fought Frazier and Frazier broke his jaw knocked him out mm-hmm. so this was ali's rematch with frazier yep fighting back again a third time but the reason why nobody thought frazier would lose is because frazier was dominating that fight like he had already knocked ali to the canvas twice mm-hmm. and everybody was like this is over pack it up it's time to go home but he had always broke. wait for the fourth quarter. I, no, I always I kid you not. When when you go and you research this fight, Ali had like broken ribs, one eye sewn closed. Like mm-hmm. this was good night, Eileen. The fight is over. Oh, absolutely. And something snapped, and Ali took a shot to the face, 
And he went through it. And he hit Frazier right about here. He broke that jaw so bad that that bone in the jaw went up and scraped the brain. It cracked through skull. That's not healthy. It knocked him unconscious. He probably had to have surgery after that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But nobody saw that coming. Mm hmm. And it's it, it, incidentally, it almost ended Frazier's career because mm-hmm. it never healed. You've heard you've heard the expression glass jaw, right? Yeah, it was coined from Joe Frazier. Really? They said he had a. They rarely said he had a glass jaw. No, that's how weak his jaw was after that fight. Oh, I see. It never it never healed. Anytime he took a shot to the jaw like that again, it knocked him out. Mm-hmm. A contender of the like one of the toughest contenders, and it gave him a glaring weakness. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so when Ali knocked out, sorry, knocked email, down, work people are texting me, good. so keep going. So, so, so he knocks down Matt. Good. And uh, Matt gets up, he looks over at his family, and he kind of smiles and he goes, This is my last fight. Who's? Both these, oh, yeah, turn, this is it for them. Both going to retire after this fight. So if if this is the fight you're going out on, I'm going out with no unfinished business. Mm-hmm. So they're going out. They, win or lose, they are going out. Right. They both have now said to themselves, "Win or lose, I'm. This is my last fight. I'm retiring." Yep. So if I know that I'm not getting another fight, I am going to put everything into this fight. Mm-hmm. So Matt gets up, and then all of a sudden. He starts to just unload on Joe. And the people that are watching his vitals are like, oh my gosh, here it is. He's going into Mac time. The lady goes, no. no. His brainwave is fine. He's not going into Mac oh, time. This is it. him doing it. This is him. Yeah, this is all him. Yep. Like This came out of nowhere. He really is a great boxer. Mm-hmm. So he he so Joe and him are just exchanging blows in the middle of the ring. It's it's a just a whole who wants it more at this yep. point. And then they look over to Sasho in the corner and they're like, Sasho, you know what you have to do. Sasho grabs the towel and he goes, throws it in. Spoilers. Oh, oh, I'm getting in, I'm getting ahead of myself. I know what you want, Joe. I know that you want to go out on your own, yeah. that this is not how you want to do this. And then he takes his hand off the towel and he puts it back on the mat. Mm-hmm. As soon as he does, Nanu's hand reaches onto his. And he gets tears in his eyes and he goes, I know what I have to do. And with the other hand, he grabs the towel and he throws it. Yep. So this is where throwing in the towel phrase comes. When right. your corner yeah. decides, okay, this is too much. We're obviously not going to win this. And it's going to do more damage to the person fighting than it will, even if he can win. Right. Right. It's like, it's where, it's where the, the, the victory does not outweigh the, the, it'd be a Punic victory at best. Right. So they wind up stopping the fight on the towel and he and Matt hug in the ring. And it's a beautiful moment. Then he goes over to Sasha and Sasha is like, I'm so sorry. I know 
that you didn't want this. He goes, but I could feel Pops's hand telling me to do it. Mm-hmm. Joe's like, yeah. yeah, it was exactly what I wanted. Yep. They hug and they embrace and it's beautiful. So basically Yukio announces that she is opening up the BES technology to the world. Mm-hmm. So all the assets that this comp- that her company had in this other company, this Roscoe company, all their schematics, everything, she's making that public domain. Which is ridiculous to think about. Yeah, crazy. But she's doing it because she wants people to be able to take it and improve upon it. And fix where they were, the shortcomings of it currently. Because there were a lot of shortcomings still. Right. So she's understanding that the, that the profit is not worth the betterment of mankind. Yeah. You can't put a price on, on mankind. You can, but you shouldn't. Right. So, um, are we getting to the point where you don't like this? Um, I'm getting there. Okay. Getting so there. those of you who don't know, we discussed about it, and I'm we agreed that he doesn't like a certain part of the ending. He has not told me what specifically he does not like, but okay. you said. Like, there's something about the ending you didn't like. Getting there. We're getting All right. All right. I'm making sure. I'm making sure. Giving a little preview. Edison Liu, he he winds up starting his rehab. Yep. Rotation to get back on his feet. Yuri. And Sasho decides he's leaving to go be a gear engineer. Mm -hmm. This is what I did not like. Him going to be a gear engineer? Him abandoning everyone to go be a gear engineer he got so mad at joe for leaving to follow his dream and then he turns around and does it as well when joe comes back this is the same thing as brock doing it to his siblings for those that don't know pokemon in the anime brock the first gym leader his friend when his dad left to go be a pokemon trainer Brock stayed behind and took care of his family, his brothers and stuff. And then the moment his dad came back into the picture to want to be a part of the family, Brock literally hands the kids and goes, later, and he leaves. I do not like that. Why did he have to leave to go be a gear engineer? This man. This haircut, by the way. Oh, I'm going to respond. Are you done yet? Oh no! I it completely undermined everything that this season taught us. If I could phrase, if I can use another, um, keep going. I will respond. You're good. If I can use another reference of how this, what I felt this season was about. Yeah, was literally Lilo and Stitch. Ohana. Ohana means no one gets left behind or forgotten. Except when it's time for you to go pursue your dreams, Sachio. Done. Okay. First off, do you see these bags under my eyes? Mm-hmm. That's why I have to deal with this man. I have to deal with this man's blasphemous Ooh. mediocre takes. Tell me I'm wrong, though. 100%. You are so wrong. I'm about to walk out of the room. How how could I be wrong? Is that not what he did? No. 
I don't Did he do First off. First off, let's take a mm-hmm. step back here. Mm-hmm. The whole point of this was how you leave. Not mm. not that he left. There's a big difference. Why is Sacho mad at Joe? Because he left them high and dry. By him leaving the way he did. With mm. them not getting any help whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That is the incorrect way to leave. When mm. Sasha left, the gym was finished. Everyone else's careers were moving on. It was always his arc. Always. That Sasha would go be an engineer come back and then bring everyone else up with him. The idea, the unmitigated goal that you have to think this was not only predicted and coming and is not a good ending to this story makes me want to turn off the recording right now and leave. Nope. It's not how I saw it. Why did he have to leave to go be a gear engineer? Why couldn't he stay? Because typically you have to go to university, and I guarantee you in the area they were in, there wasn't a good one. Guarantee you. You ever heard of the school of hard knocks? That's not how this works, bro. That's not how this works. He built the gear the first time. Doesn't mean he's going to be accepted by a company. Doesn't have to be. It's not about the money. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Let's do this. Let, no, 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 no. Let me speak. I'm the host. All right. In the comments section, we need you to decide this because we will spend an hour debating this topic. In the comments, I want you to say, if it was good that he left, you're taking my side. If you say it is wrong that he left, you are taking RJ's side. Let's get this established. With me. All right. Because I will tell you right now, you're wrong. You're 100% incorrect on this position. I'm going to tell you right now that I am 100% correct in my analysis. Do you want to bet? Do you want to bet who loses on the comments? Got mine. Okay, so this is not a tattoo level bet, obviously. Not like uh, if not, not at all uh, that level. Huh. We should do something on camera. Eventually, we'll do a live stream. Eventually. Probably, like, let's do this. Next year, mm-hmm. based on the number, by the time this this video comes out, we will see the comments and everything. When we come around to do the next recording session, because we batch record these, which is why we're going to look completely different. Proceed. We look very similar in in episodes. Always look this good. Uh, in his dreams. Anyways, so we'll do this. Uh, 2022, December 31st. We will look at the number of comments. Based on who wins... We will do a live stream. In that live stream, the viewers decide the punishment within reason. So we're talking 
pie in the face. We're talking. We're talking. Hmm. What would be good? Shave their head. Uh, with you, that would only take two seconds. Exactly right. No, Please. save your save your facial hair. Mm. Your wife wouldn't be happy with that one. Nah, she'd get over it. Hair grows back. Hmm. We'll think of something. We'll think, think of something. something. Oh, we could what? do it this way. We could do. Sorry. Just for the record, he shouldn't have left. Yeah. No. 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 It, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. This is so. Let's start. Let's. No. 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 Let me take a step back here. I think this is where philosophically our lives come into play here because with you you're around your family all of your family lives in the same city almost I am, I am ohana. yeah i am ohana 100 yeah. percent. whereas with me i went from colorado to florida to where i am now i have moved massively i will move again i have stated i am not going to be here when i graduate i've made this very clear to everyone i don't like the climate of this area and also the dating scene is trash so that being said, I I think this comes down to more our philosophies on life. I have no problem moving to X city tomorrow. So, and I will say this too. I feel that if the whole season had not been building up this idea that you don't abandon family and uh -huh. you don't leave, and I think I wouldn't have been as upset with Sasha leaving. Because I get, I get the leaving to go pursue your dream. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole first season's point. Precisely. I get it. You got to you gotta give up here to get your dream. I get that. But I feel like the, the two seasons kind of contradict one another in that regard. I think they parallel each other. Well, parallel. Sure, parallel, but not as in the same. Like, they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. One is about giving everything up to chase your dream. The other one's about giving up your dream to do what's right. I actually think what he did was right. I think in this situation, I think that was right. Now, this being said, was mm -hmm. there anything else you want to talk about before we go into the ratings? Um, Overall, overall I really did like this season. Mm -hmm. um, we may disagree here. But I still actually preferred season one to season two. I would say this season one has a more cohesive story because it is one story. It is start to finish all the way through. This is kind of a bunch of mini arcs. So that's where I think the discrepancy, and I think you would agree with me, like the difference is, is like if you're expecting season two to be just like season one, some people coming into season two won't like it as much. Correct. Correct. So, because like I am I am very much a linear person. Yes. And this was kind of you even jumped around a lot here, but in the first se the first episode of this where we talked about the first season, you weren't. Right. You were very because it is linear. This one is mm -hmm. not. Absolutely. In a way. Absolutely. Um, there's so I'm many it. moving parts. Oh that and I think that's my biggest not gripe with it, because I did like it. But I think that's my biggest problem with You're this. You're saying season. like nine out of ten versus eight out of ten. 
Like you're not saying sure. like no, you're not, not saying it's a three. Score here. No, okay. I'm not taking score. All right. So let's start. You could sit down and tell the story of season one. Uh-huh. Beginning to end in perfect sequence. Yep. You're not gonna you may get a couple of details mixed, but you're not gonna get plot points out of sequence. Whereas in this time you definitely were jumping all over the place. Right. Well, that's because this one has so many things going on simultaneously that something that was happening in episode five was also happening in episode eight. Yes. And they kind of blend together. Yes. But I think like that's done for effect more than anything, because if you were told what happened to Joe, the first couple episodes would not have been as impactful. Sure. Like if you come out the gate with the bat, with the flashback, Mm Mm-hmm. And then picked up episode two where he was. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, I don't think it would have worked as well. I agree. All right. So let's go to scores now. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. First off, what color is this marker that I've been choosing this whole time? Green. Huh? Green. Say it again. You're mumbling. Green. Okay. There you go. You would have lost a point if you didn't get it. All right. So this round, you yeah. did you did lose a point. Megalodonia. Okay. I think that's fair because last time we did actually. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, did yeah. not curse, so I didn't lose any points. Yeah. Okay. So now for the actual uh, our scores on the show. So first off, we're going to go reverse order from the first season. Let's talk about the um let's talk about visuals that was the last thing we talked about first season let's talk about that first year what would you grade the visuals of this season honestly what i feel like is i feel like they got a bud a budget bump the second season oh yeah 100 percent. because the first season did not do very well in japan actually it did very well here in the u.s but did not do well in japan so it, it, the first season was if, I'm not, I'm, best way I can explain it. The first season was like the first season of most cartoons. Yep. Budget's low. They do what they can with what they have. And see if it can stick. See if it sticks. Yeah. And then the second season, after that success of that first season, they finally got a better budget. Yep. They have more animators. They can do more with the animation. Yep. So visually, I actually prefer this one to the to the first season. Okay, but you still overall prefer the first season. Well, of course. And okay. We'll get, and that. I would agree so, with you. I would agree with you it. on the visuals. So, what about music? That's where I'm gonna. That's where I'm gonna break it. Okay. Do you prefer the music three, of the first season? Three out of ten. You give the three out of ten. What the actual Kabada bin Shadabada? Are you on? Are you on right here? And now you sold that. You sh- no, no, no. Okay, you said that just gets reaction. Be honest with me. Oh, I do feel that way about the music. You honestly believe this season's music is a three out of ten? That's being lenient. 
I should unfriend you from Facebook. Oh, no, no. Hear me out. Ready? Okay. Name one time in the entirety of the second season that you can remember the music. Uh, let's see here. Chief's theme. Okay. The whole thing about him passing away. It was Chief's theme. Yes. Let's talk about the fight with Sasha. There's the music. Final fight. There was music in it. Music? Yeah. I heard none of it. Yeah, because you like to turn it off, just like how you know. Here's the problem: you got used to your games and the NFL being announced by Joe Buck, so you just turn the volume off. And so that's what happened here: is oh. you literally say, "Nope, nope, sound, no nothing, off." Oh, legitimate. I do not remember music at any point in this entire season, with the exception of Chief. And the ending, the end credits. I'm being dead serious. I know you are, and that's why I'm mad. Like, I honestly cannot tell you, oh, that fight against Sasha had the best music. I legitimately do not remember music. All right. We're going to stop it. Zip, zip. We're stopping. <clears throat> Okay. Stopping because otherwise I will have to leave the call. Okay. I, guess I would agree with you. Season one has better music overall. Agree with you there. I give this season's music a seven out of ten. Okay. We move on. Can. Okay. All right. Character development. Sorry. Character development. What would you give it? This is where I'm really gonna throw you off. Ten out of ten. No, I could see it. I could see it because that's the whole point of the season was character development. Exactly. And I think they hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. 10 out of 10. Every character, every character that was introduced in the first season got ample screen time in the second season. Yep. They became fleshed out. They became who they were. Yup. I agree so. with you. And even the ones from this season, like the boy that ran with those kids, he got character development. Sure, but I'll put it. But I'm, but I'm gonna double back on something I said in season one. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the fact that you you learned about Sasha, you learned about Joe, you learned about Yuri, but the other kids kind of got pushed to the back. They didn't have a reason to be developed yet, and in this season they did. I think that's Correct. the difference. All right. But yeah, I, like, uh, I didn't know till this season. Okay, so we we we're we're a little bit in a time crunch here, so I'm pushing us along. Okay, story. It. Story. You know, you said, and this is why I won't get mad at you because I already know it's not going to be that good of a score, that you prefer linear stories, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's acceptable. So what score are you going to give it? And keep in mind, if you give it a 3 out of 10, I'm literally walking out of this room. Giving it a 7. Thank God. You th- Okay, just so everyone knows... We need to take a step back here and talk about like when we've talked. So for those of you wondering, this man used to have a stupidly long commute. Like you would drive from one section of the city all the way to the other and back and forth. So on your ways home, huh? An hour and a half each direction. Yeah. So for an hour, we would talk on his way home. Minimum. Minimum. And one of the things that would happen is, and you've dealt with this a lot and you've gotten a lot better at this is you would be very set on your opinion. And if I would just at all pick at it, 
you would get infuriated with me. Is oh, that yeah. correct? Yeah. Like you'd start acting like I'm one of these people that I just attacked your pride. You attacked everything, my beliefs, my pride, who I am, my identity. Yes. Because you associated your opinions with that. Absolutely. Yes, which I don't personally. I don't think my personal opinions you're, you're are me. A more objective person. Yes. And when he would go on these tirades, and by the way, if you think I, I'm keeping myself calm here, he would literally be yelling at me for, I'd say the worst one was about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Without and, stopping. And this is what I would do. I would take the headphones down like this, and then I would just be looking on my phone, looking at different stuff, ignoring him. Mm -hmm. I would put him back on. Here he's still going. And then I would put him back on and I'd go, are you done? And you'd always feel like a douche afterwards. Which is why I've tried so so hard to get better at communication. Because yeah. you know and I'm not actually attacking you as a person. Right. I'm just literally asking you or trying to get you to convince me why that position is correct. Well, actually, if, if I can say it, I think that was actually the birthplace of this podcast. Oh, idea. it was. 100%. Was the idea that so many people probably have the same opinions we do. They just don't have any way to vocalize it. Or like take different pieces of information. So we take the second season. I will yeah. concede the fact that the second season is a lot more decisive in people's opinions of it than the first. For good reason. It's not everyone's cup of tea. It changed a bunch of stuff. It hit very hard issues and was unapologetic on what it talked about. We went over addiction. We went over a lot of stuff. A mm -hmm. lot, a lot of stuff. And that's going to bring this to where I look at it and I come from a per certain position like Sacho leaving. I say, well, I've had to move three times in my life. I will have to move a fourth time. And when I say move, I don't mean, oh, he moved across town or you're in the same city. No, I mean moving across a continent because the United States is a continent for those who don't live here. Right. Okay. Like moving from Colorado to Florida, that's 15 hours. Moving from where I was in Florida to here, that was, I won't give the exact amount because I still live here, but that's still a long drive. Oh. So what I'm saying is I have that mentality. Whereas you, you literally live within 10 minutes of all of your siblings. Absolutely. Yep. Always have. Yes. With the exception of a rare occasions in our lives, we've all, we've always tried to live within 30 minutes of each other. Well, when you were overseas is one thing, or when you were at college, obviously. Yeah. Or but, they were at college, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Correct. Well, even when they went to college, Drew went to uh, my brother. Drew went to college an hour outside of town. Yeah, but Ky but um, you obviously didn't. And then Kyle was actually in the military at one point. Correct. Mm -hmm. He was deployed overseas. Yes. So that's why I'm saying like it. It happened, but it was very rare. It wasn't something Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And every every time those things happen, they happen with the idea and the mindset that they were coming back. Yeah, it was temporary. 
it's all, temporary. always temporary. Yeah. Right. So if I thought that I, if Sasha was leaving temporarily and Which coming is back. the idea there. It was the oh, idea. Sure. Except if he hadn't have been, the problem is if he had been one of those that was very accepting when Joe came back and said, you know what, Joe, you did what you felt you had to do. I can respect it. I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I respect it. Yeah. No. Instead, he went back to being that child Mm -hmm. that got abandoned again in his life. He took it the hardest. And so you judge him more harshly because of that. But he was also the one that was, that, that was abandoned. Yes. What I will say is I actually think that's the reason why he was able to do it because it took him, it hit him the hardest and it took him the longest to do that. It also made him realize sometimes that is actually necessary and that made him more willing to do that. But this comes from our difference in perspective. Agreed. Agreed. But in the end, one thing we can agree on. Mm -hmm. Season one is better than season two. No. We can't. The character development. The character development, the story. I prefer the story of season two. So what do you get? What do you get okay. season two? So <clears throat> here's the reason why. Mm-hmm. Season one, I've seen it many times, many different forms. You got your Naruto's, your Jujutsu Kaisen's, your Demon Slayers. I've read all the way through Demon Slayer. I've seen Vinland Saga. Like all of these things, it is a story I have seen time and time again. And it's a very easy story to tell. And it's a very mm-hmm. easy story to recite. Look at the difficulties you had with reciting the second season versus the first season and how much easier it was to talk about the first season. This season is much more difficult because the philosophical nature of the second season blows the first one out of the water. The first one is very simple man versus machine or man versus X thing. Like these are very classical things. Whereas in the second season, it is in a way the same things, but it's, but it's such deeper implications that I look at the second season and I appreciate the fact that no one has told this story in this art form. Like that's why I, that's where our different perspectives come in because I've seen the first season time and time and time and time again, the second season who has the balls as a, you know, author, to take your character, put him at the absolute height, the zenith of everything, and drop him to the ground. So, Very few. I can only think of Vinland Saga. But think about this, too. My personal opinion. Uh-huh. Joe hadn't been corruptible from the beginning season one. Mm-hmm. I don't think season two would have had the traction it did. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. When we meet Joe, he's at rock bottom in season one. I wouldn't say he's at rock bottom because he's kind of in this state of I'm making money. I'm doing things like my uh, I don't like where my life is at, but this is not rock bottom. He's in the same position at the beginning of, of, of no. season one. At the beginning of season no, two. no, 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 no,
Season one, he has nothing to lose. That whole journey, who cares? If he loses, he's only lost the very little things he has developed during that season. In season two, he has lost things that he can never get back and things that he actually could lose. At the beginning of season one, he has nothing to lose. This man has nothing to lose. He doesn't care about Papa. He does not care about the kid at the beginning. At the beginning, he does not care. These are not things he has lost because he does not have them. In season Mm -hmm. two, he has lost everything. Right. That is a monumental difference. Except for the fact that he he hasn't faced that yet. Yes, he has. Nope. The reason why he's the, on these the real rock bottom of season two, mm-hmm. episode four, when he actually stops getting off the antidepressant, the 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 narcotics. Yeah, when he finally has to face Chief's Chief's death sober, which you could argue that goes into the non-linearity of the story. Well, true, but that's the true rock bottom of season of of, of his life. Yes, I would agree because with you there. He was he was so doped up. He never really he couldn't had actually go at it. But that's being said, that is more of a rock bottom than the first season. But back to what I said. Uh huh. One of season one, episode two of season, uh, episode one of season two. Uh-huh. Joe is in the same place. Both times he is still not truly faced what is bothering him. I'll give you this. I actually will. This I will actually go back in my earlier position. I agree with you now because I see what you're saying. The true rock bottom of season two is a bigger rock bottom than season one. You would agree with me with this. True. True. Because because Joe, in season one, Joe, he had nothing to lose. Yeah. Because he didn't already know what he had. Exactly. Then in season two, he has lost it. He hasn't even fully... It's the fact that it was lost mm-hmm. until episode four when his one shot at getting a second life was taken from him. Yes. And then in and then everything. But Ugh. then unlike the first time, this time he can't run. Nope. He's forced to stay there and face it. Yep. When he faces Chief's death, that's when he realizes what he's truly lost. Exactly. So that's, that's when he goes through the hero's journey to get it back. He doesn't get well, it back. He doesn't never, go back to the championship position. Well, because of what he's lost. Yep. People, people, people on the surface will look at season two and say, okay, well, he, he lost his family. He lost the gym. He lost his title. All of those are tangible. Yep. He lost something that he can never tangibly get back. He lost time. Mm-hmm. He lost years off his life. Five prime years, which in boxing is an eternity. Right. But more than that, they talk about this at the end of season two. Years and years of abuse of pain pills took such a toll on his body. Mm -hmm. Lost his youth. He lost his power. He lost his time. He lost his mind. He lost things that he can never get back. Exactly. And that's the part of the part that I relate to the most out of Joe mm-hmm. to is 
anybody can find themselves in that. Anybody can look back and say, I lost so much time doing X. Yep. I wish I could have go I wish I could have that time back. Exactly. So that being said, what do you give the second season overall? Uh despite the music tanking the score, I'm still not gonna let it take the score out entirely. I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. Okay. I still give it a nine out of ten. Okay. I okay, correction. Nine point five because I prefer season two over season one for the reasons stated. So you give them the same score. Uh, so I scratch that. I will give. I can't give it a perfect ten because there are some issues. So I'm gonna drop season one down to a nine. Poor season one. I have to keep it fair. Like season one, you can just do what I did. What one a nine, one a ten, or an eight? You want me to drop season one to an eight? Oh, don't dare do that to season one. Season yeah, one that's what I'm. That's why I'm saying you should shut up and wall your head. So, you know, I think that about wraps up this episode. Wouldn't you agree? I think we covered a lot of ground. We talked, we, we touched on a lot of topics that I feel people don't talk about enough. We talked about man facing his mortality in a way. We need to remind people in the comments section, who is right? We'll do this. I am blue. He is, which color do you want? Red. Red? Okay. If you vote for Team Blue, you're voting for me. If you're voting for Team Red, you're going to end up with a red face, but you're voting for him. Team Red. <laughs> All right. All right. But no. I think in the end, I think we covered a lot of ground. Um, I think this was a good topic to talk about. Um, all right, if we will leave the it there, I was gonna say if the comments would like okay. we could do a, we could do a more discussion at a later date on the psychology and mm-hmm. all the stuff that that Joe goes through psychologically. We can we can talk about some of that stuff. I know that you have some experience in the medical fields. Not there, eh, I wouldn't. Not I enough to comment. Not enough to comment. I, I have I have experience. You know, you, you have right. more. Let me put it to you this way: you have more experience than what you have done. Right. Okay. But, but we I'm will with- leave it there. Comment below if you want us to do a third part about this, and next year we will talk about it. Yeah. But in the meantime, this has been unapologetic with your host John from Honda's Science and his co-host RJ. All right. Peace out, everybody. Hey guys, Team Red.